Musical concepts are expressed through various forms of media. From composers who use notation to convey musical ideas, to musicians who rely on recording technologies for disseminating performances, our musical experiences are shaped by media. Organologists, those who study the history, physical properties, and social functions of musical instruments, often consider instruments as mediators of music. Although inanimate, musical instruments impact not only the resulting sound of performances, but also affect social relationships, global economies, and ecological systems. You're listening to Ethnomusicology Today, a podcast produced by the Society for Ethnomusicology devoted to the exploration of contemporary issues in global music studies. I'm Trevor Harvey. By focusing on the material reality of tabla, a pair of small hand-played drums prominent in the musical traditions of South Asia, Alan Roda has examined the social, economic, and musical impact of musical instruments. In this episode, we talk with Alan about his article, Ecology of the Global Tabla Industry, which was published in the journal Ethnomusicology. Roda examines the tabla industry as a complex ecosystem involving many contributors, including the artisans who make tabla, the musicians who play them, and the instruments themselves. By examining the tabla as contributors to Indian musical culture, or actors in a complex global environment of musical practices, Rhoda highlights the intimate human relationships that emerge through the mediation of a musical instrument. So for me, the idea was, well, let's start with the drum. What if we decenter the human for a minute and look at what the drums do? What do drums do is kind of a fun question um, that I ask. So the tabla, you know, it resounds, it vibrates, it stretches, it cracks, it pulls. It also creates relationships and it brings people together who might not otherwise meet. So it does a lot of things while being inanimate. In your article, you draw upon actor network theory. Can you explain what actor network theory is and how it helps your understanding of Indian musical culture? Sure. I mean, in a nutshell, it's just, uh, it's an observation that anything that happens does not result from any single factor or actor, as you might say, that there's a wide variety, a confluence of aspects to any outcome. So any concert, you know, the actual sounds that are perceived are result from the musicians, from the audience, but from the acoustics of the venue, the shape of the instruments, the, um, you know, every aspect of it. So what I think is really fascinating to me about how you approach this is looking at the tabla as a mediator, bringing these these various uh, relationships together. Um, I'm wondering if you can comment on how that maybe extends to the to actual performance context. So could you speak to how musical instruments in general maybe play a mediating role, not only within the network of production, but also within the performance context? Well, absolutely. I mean, that we are shaped, as musicians, we are shaped by the instruments we play. So this is another 
uh, aspect of this that I find particularly fascinating. I mean, a lot of people have written about this too. I think of, you know, pianists' ability to move from their index finger quickly down to their uh, pinky finger is way faster than the rest of us, whereas we might all be able to go from pinky to index with the same speed, you know, and that sort of like really nitty gritty details in which like playing the piano or in this case, the tabla or the harmonium or any instrument is going to actually change the muscles in your hand. It's going to change your body as you develop that uh, acuity. In exploring this ecosystem of tabla making, you talk about how close relationships and community bonds are built among and within these instrument builders and material suppliers. How does this connectedness relate to this other idea that you bring up of locavidya or people's knowledge? So the the, the idea behind locavidya is that learning to make tabla is something that is beyond simply an apprenticeship model. Um, it's a part of the entire life world of the, of the artisans. So children who are barely beginning to walk are asked to go bring me that tool or go fetch some more you know, leather from the leather worker down the street. Um, most of the artisans in related industries, so the woodworkers and the leather workers and the tubla makers, are concentrated in the same neighborhood. So they, you know, they it's it's just right down the road. So five-year-olds and six-year-olds get involved in the process by fetching materials, uh, carrying things back and forth. They're brought into it from a very early age. In describing this fairly complex ecological system, uh, one of the key terms that you use to explore this is jugadkana. The, the word comes from these uh, sort of improvised tractor buses in India, which are called jugar. And so they've, and karna is just a verb that means to make or do. So to make a jugar means to like, to what we might say is to like jerry rig or to improvise or to um, make do with what's there to accomplish what's needed. So a, a significant portion of your article focuses on production, right? And, and, and you were just describing how Dugarkana plays into this production. And Lokavidya also plays an important uh, part of production of, of tabla. In your descriptions of tabla manufacturing, it's very much a manual practice. That is a hands-on experience in, in which these, these ideas of, of improvisation and variation uh, are, are largely unavoidable. Are there larger factories that rely more on mechanical rather than manual labor for the production of tabla? Well, this is actually one of the fascinating things about this instrument is... Uh, Yes, there you can use a drill to hollow out the wooden, you know, shell, and you can use a press to make the the metal shell, 
And, you know, the tabla makers who purchase the shells from metal workers and woodworkers um, have very strong opinions that the handmade ones are better for a wide variety of reasons. But there is some competition in terms of making the resonators. But to date, no one has made a machine-made tabla head. So the tabla maker, his name is really for the person who creates the head or the puri for the tabla and then attaches it to the resonator. Um, is the woodworking and the metalworking are done by different artisans. So you don't have, there, there is no mechanical replication for that process. And, uh, but not for lack of trying. There, have, there is no Remo brand tabla. Um, but I have come to understand that um, Remo has wanted to create a factory-made synthetic consistent tabla, uh, but has not been able to do so. And there are many musicians, you know, I spoke to a uh, one of the leading tabla players in Pune, um, Suresh Talwalkar, openly says he would love for a standardized machine-made tabla head to exist where he could have consistent quality all of the time, know that the thickness would be exactly the same, you know, and have that kind of, um, that relegate, regulated precision that might come with machine manufacturing. In your field work, as you describe it, your uh, participatory field work also consisted of hands-on work with the leather and other material. Uh, goods that constitute tabla. Can you elaborate on your own personal sensory experience with living and working with the tabloirs uh, and the organic and inorganic materials of the construction process? Yeah, absolutely. I made I made several sets of drums, you know, from start to start to finish, and uh, you know, some of those sensory experiences were just like my body trying to adjust to uh, sitting for that long and pulling on buffalo hide until my fingers bled because you couldn't, I couldn't, if you didn't finish the gajra in one day, uh, it would be ruined if it dried unevenly. And of course, I am not working nearly as quickly as the tub experienced tablawalas are, and my hands are not ready for this kind of work. So, but, you know, I was also stubborn. I was like, no, I'm going to do every bit of this myself. In addition to being a different type of listener, having gone through this process of, of building the instrument, how has it altered you as a musician and your relationship, particularly with the instrument? Well, I'm definitely a lot more confident when it comes to um, maintaining, reheading, tightening, tuning, um, you know, the, uh, the sort of the maintenance of the instrument. It, it's, it's interesting, you know, piano and tabla are maybe the only two instruments that the people who play them have do almost none of the maintenance. You know, we have professional tabla uh, makers and professional piano tuners. And um, there's sort of a similar relationship there of uh, sort of needing the mechanic to fix the instrument.
So coming from this intimate relationship that you're describing, uh, and maybe switching gears here to uh, looking at Tabla in a more global perspective, uh, I want to talk a little bit about this sort of global industry of Tabla making. One thing you mentioned at the beginning of your article was the uh, tremendous growth of the Tabla industry in Banalas in recent years. What What's been going on over the past 25 years, globally speaking, that has led to such an increase in demand for tabla? Well, I mean, in in a word, it's it's the world music boom, you know, internationally. But uh, tabla went from being an obscure, you know, an obscure instrument that few people had heard of to a standard place in Sam Ash Guitar Center, you know, like it's not even, it's no longer relegated to the very niche market of Indian music lovers. Tabla is just part of the world percussion kit. Um, and it's as such, there are German brands of Tabla that, you know, are sold all over the world. And of course, they're all handmade in India. So I think it's it's also another aspect is uh, Indian music is now increasingly taught in schools in India. Uh, amateur musicians are increasingly accepted. So the number of uh, people in India playing tabla has dramatically increased as well. So you've got a growing national and international market for drums at all levels from the student models to the professional. So earlier when you were talking about Jugarakana, you were talking about how this is an important concept, broadly speaking, in, in sort of Indian society. As India plays an increasingly important role in the global con- economy, and specifically in the global music economy, how does Jugarakana pose both a, a challenge and also an asset for the Indian music industry? Well, I mean, this is sort of comes back to how it is both demonized and celebrated. You know, there is this notion that, um, you know, in India, we'll figure it out no matter what. So it's it's definitely a pride in problem solving. Uh, and, and in some ways, I feel like that's kind of the, the, the emphasis that I would like to make on it is sort of the, the beauty and of this kind of creative expression in problem solving that is an important part of Jugadakarna. This is the concluding episode in our three-part series examining Indian music and dance traditions within the global music economy. Alan Rhoda's article, Ecology of the Global Tabla, can be found in the spring-summer 2015 issue of the journal Ethnomusicology. Ethnomusicology Today is produced with the help and support of many people. Thanks to our student research and production assistants, Grace Coleman, George Daniel, Todd Johnson, Alyssa Bovinet, and Brianna Glenn consulting editor Harry Berger, and our advisory board members Portia Maltby, Les Gay, Martin Stokes, David Kaminsky, and Leon Garcia Corona. 
Additional support and encouragement has been provided by SEM past president Beverly Diamond and former first vice president Margaret Sarkissian and SEM executive director Stephen Stimfley. Thanks again to Alan Roder for talking with us about his research. This podcast is produced by the Society for Ethnomusicology with support from the University of Iowa College of Liberal Arts and Sciences and the Iowa Center for Research by Undergraduates. 